Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah chapter 13. I, uh, I really wrestle with, I do and I don't, but I wrestle sometimes with preaching a message specifically about what I'm going to preach and I don't know why. I really don't. I'm just being honest for a moment. Because it's so hard to describe to people what, it, what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to preach tonight on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk specifically about what happens when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You will, and this is the part that I struggle with because I so... I so don't want people to turn me off. And folks, I'm, I'm, I'm 55 years old. I don't have sermons to waste. If I didn't believe with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength that what I'm telling you, number one, is biblical, and number two, is a real experience for every believer, I would not waste the precious time in this pulpit dealing with this subject. But I want to tell you, sincerely as I can, regardless of the religious background or denominational background you come from, there is another blessing besides salvation. The greatest thing that can happen to you is to be saved. The Holy Spirit does that work. But there is a second blessing, and the salvation is to get you to heaven. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to give you victory here on earth. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is real because it was asked in in Acts 19, Paul asked some ten believers of John, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? Since you believed, you're believers, you've been baptized by John the Baptist, That's that's pretty amazing credentials. He wasn't a Baptist, he was baptized by, they were baptized by John the Baptist. That's, that's pretty amazing. The same guy who baptized Jesus, by the way. That's pretty, that's pretty spiritual. And yet, Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost? Wait a minute, I thought I got it all. And the Bible said, they said, we have never even heard of the Holy Ghost. And Paul laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Acts chapter 2, there came a mighty rushing wind. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. There is something powerful that happens to us that is so hard to put into human words when we receive the precious gift of the Holy Spirit in His fullness and pray in the prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives you. It is a supernatural gift from God for every believer. It is distinct from the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. And it is for, it is some people whom God has gifted with that gift. But I'm not talking about the gift of tongues. I'm talking about the prayer language that the Holy Spirit wants to give every one of you, young and old. It does not matter. This gift Peter put it like this in Acts 2 after they staggered out of the upper room. 
under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they all spoke with tongues. That means the whole New Testament, Peter, James, John, the mother, Mary, the mother of Jesus was one of the 120. The mother of Jesus spoke with tongues because they all spoke with tongues according to Acts 2. So don't call it the devil stuff because the mother of Jesus did it. I'd watch that. But when they go out into the streets, Peter preaches this word in Acts 2, 38, I believe it is, for this promise is unto you. Everybody say, it's for me. And here's, here's what I really feel tonight. Now no, lean, lean in. And it's for your children. Listen to this. And it's for them, the same thing that you see us and hear us doing, it's for you, it's for your children, because they're going to need supernatural power to keep them from drugs and alcoholism and perversion and sin and wickedness and evil. There's got to be more than just churchy religious stuff. At some point, the fog machines and the lights, they're all good and cool, and I, I believe in it and use everything we can to reach this culture. But the truth is, it's not by might nor by power. It is by my spirit, saith the Lord. And Peter said, this promise is unto you, it's unto your children. Listen to this, and it's to them that are far off. And he looked all the way down to Free Chapel, Orange County, Sunday night. What is it, the 11th of December. What is it? It's just off 10 days, what's the problem? Where did I get the 11th? I saw it somewhere. Do you understand what I meant? Don't be, don't be like that. Just nod your head and say, yes, amen. On the 3rd of December, he knew we would be here to them that are far off. I had a secretary some years ago, many years ago, who was, uh, uh, her name was Michelle, and she was, she was uh, Hispanic. And she had two beautiful children that looked a lot like her, but she was married to a Caucasian guy in the church. But they had her olive skin. They looked more like her. They had the dark hair and the brown eyes. And I asked her one time, I said, I said, do your children, because she's very fluent in Spanish. She could just, just all, just speak it perfectly. And I said, well, do your children speak bilingual? Do they speak English and Spanish? And her response to me shocked me. She said, no. And I said, why? And she said, well, my husband only knows a few words in my home language, my the language that I was taught when I was a child before I came here, that my parents always spoke in our home. And she said, we've just decided it's too difficult since we rarely communicate in that language to impart it to our children. Because if they're going to ever really become fluent, they've got to be in an atmosphere for a long period of time that th that, that language is the main language. 
I'll never forget that. It, it began to stir something in my heart about languages. And I began to research languages many years ago. I wrote this message. And I was shocked to find out that there are 6,000 different languages. And listen to this. Every two weeks, a language dies. Every two weeks, a language just ceases to exist and carry on. The late German explorer Alexander Van, Bo Van Hoboot came across a parrot in an indigenous village known as Venezuela. It was speaking the ancient language of Artores. And he heard the parrot squawking in his cage something that sounded like an intelligent language. He asked the villagers what the bird was saying. And to his amazement, they said, we do not know because the owners of that parrot were the only people in the village who still spoke that ancient language and they transferred it to their bird and when he dies, the language is dead. True story. The death of a language should not be considered trivial. It is a serious, serious matter because the demise of a dialect and a language is a terrible tragedy because lost in a language is a repository of cultural experiences. Words that, like strings of DNA, can only be communicated. Certain things, you can learn the, the letter of a word, but you can't always get the syllable and the feel of a word unless you know that language. you understand what I'm saying? There are mores that are embedded in words like invisible strings of DNA that, that connect the generation now to the past glories and the past failures. It's all contained in a generation through a language. Oftentimes, languages throughout history can disappear from existence without a document or a dictionary of definitions. Such is the case of the Banawas, one of the most remote Amazonian Indian tribes that was discovered. One of the only tribes that still knows how to make kore, a poison marinated on darts and arrows that can quickly kill their enemies or animals. It's a secret recipe that is passed down only in their generation. They take plants and mix them together and it can kill someone instantly. They believe the ancient recipe for this deadly concoction has been passed down within, within the natural tongue of their language, which is now an endangered language. Consider the Parway tribe, studied by linguist Daniel Evert, a tribe that rejects the use of outside languages. They're fighting to teach their language to an emerging generation that's starting to mix more and more and more. At one time they were to themselves, but now more, more tourists come through, more people come through their remote village in the Amazon, and so now they're picking up things and they're losing things. Because they believe the only way to communicate with the spirits that they worship is to exclusively chant in the language that has been the language of their forefathers for generations. The Ottawaian people were enslaved by the Brazilians for years. 
only to have a few survivors left. The residue of a once great tribe now only has five left who speak the syllables and word formations of that original tribe. When the, when the linguist uh, intervene, inter, interviewed and intervened to help catalog the tribe's language, the five barely could speak the words of the language that they grew up in because they had been introduced to a whole new culture and a whole new language. During their enslavement, they were forced to speak two languages, Brazilian and Portuguese. So they rarely spoke in their own language. Now anthropologists are struggling to preserve and undecipher their dialect of a people because they are intermarrying and losing their identity. What is amazing about the text that I have turned to and, and I'm not here talking about intermarrying with races. The Bible is, has nothing to say about that. It's fine to do that. What the Bible does warn about is marrying their gods. Taking on other religions. Taking on other mindsets. Taking on other uh, people from backgrounds that do not have the faith that you have and mixing those faiths together, watering down what you know is right with a little this and a little that. And before you know it, you lose the language. Nehemiah. Did I read it? Have you got it? Nehemiah 13. If you got the verse that I said, I want you to look at this. In those days... I saw the Jews who had married the women of Ashdod. Notice he's naming their gods. It's not that he's marrying different nationalities. He's naming their gods just like Solomon. He married so many women, but he didn't just marry the women. He took their gods. Go back. He married, there it is. He married the women of Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab. Next verse. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, Hebrew, but spoke according to the language of one of the other people. What is amazing about that text to me is this, and I just gave you in modern terms the same thing that Nehemiah saw. Nehemiah returns to the city and he basically begins to see the eulogy of the language of Judah. The language that the forefathers had spoken for generation after generation. He returns to the city. The walls are torn down. The city is in rubble. The walled, uh, the streets are torn to pieces. And among the craggly streets, he sees little children playing. And as he listens to the little children playing, he notices something strange. He hears them speaking a language that is foreign to his ears. Even though they were raised in the Hebrew faith, he cannot believe what he's hearing because he begins to hear them speaking a little Hebrew word here and there mixed with the languages of the other nations. And suddenly it becomes apparent that one generation has yoked themselves to a foreign people and the children could not speak the language of the Jews or the Judah because they had lost the original language. I'm here tonight preaching. You may be wondering what in the world am I talking about? Well, here it is. We are seeing the same threat imposed upon our Pentecostal reality. 
we're seeing the same threat come upon our Acts chapter 2 experience and we're watching the language of the Holy Spirit die. The baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance is literally dying in this generation because we have so mixed the message that we're not teaching people anymore that you must be filled with the Spirit, that you must tarry and you must be endued with power from on high and you must pray in the Holy Ghost because He has a language. He is a person and He knows how to speak. He made your mouth. He made your tongue and He can give you a language that makes demons tremble. If you know I'm preaching the truth, shout amen. There is a real threat. There is a, listen to me carefully. There is a real threat of a generation being raised up that cannot speak the language of our forefathers. They they cannot speak the language that Peter spoke in the upper room. And James and John and Mary, the mother of Jesus. That Paul spoke when he said in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Yet when I'm in the church, I don't get up and do and speak in tongues because it brings confusion. But in my prayer place, when I speak in an unknown tongue, Paul said, I speak not unto men, but directly unto God. It's a prayer language of worship and intercession that prays out of you the perfect will of God. If you have the Holy Holy Ghost in that manner. Throw your hands up and thank him on a Sunday night for the language. We can't lose it in this generation. They're speaking. This generation is speaking out of both sides of their mouth. They're bilingual, but they're speaking Pentecost as a second language. We are threatened to lose the language of the ancients and replace it with a watered-down Christianity that has no power, that does not even pray for the sick or cast out devils or believe in the gifts of the Spirit or speak words of prophecy. Just become... A natural church, not a supernatural church. Just become so seeker sensitive that you lose the anointing and power of God that can change a life anyway. Your little talk can't and your little song can't. But you let the anointing come and it breaks the chains and it sets the captives free. Hallelujah. And like the Benawa tribe, that could only communicate the poison to defeat their enemies with by invisible interwoven words to the next generation. Are we going to transfer to the next generation a language whereby our children and our children's children are able to build the weapons of spiritual warfare? The next generation must learn how to defeat the enemy and you don't fight the flesh with the flesh. You fight the flesh with the spirit. Will they speak the language of a crucified Christ? Will they speak and be fluent in speaking the language of sacrifice? Or will it all be about bless me and it's all about me? 
the language of true Christianity? Will they know the dialect of commitment and purity and sanctification and holiness and separation from the world? Are we at risk of having a generation that follows us who speaks a conglomeration of languages? Half Bible, half Oprah. Half word of God, half secular humanism. I am concerned like the Pyra tribe that we preserve our language and we pass it on to the next generation so that they can communicate with our Holy Spirit and they can know his power in a personal, powerful way. We must, we must as 21st century Pentecostals protect the language that has made us victorious. I speak in tongues. I am not a closet Pentecostal. I pray in the Holy Ghost every day of my life. And if you like what you feel around here, it's part of that tongue talking experience. And it's for you too, sir. You've tried everything else. You've tried a lot of spirits. You need to try the Holy Spirit and be drunk on new wine and you will find joy unspeakable and full of glory. Take a praise break and talk in tongues and shout and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, Pastor, I invited my neighbor tonight. Well, just break them in good. But you know, when people get cancer and when people get trouble, they don't want to go to some old dead church that says, well, you know, God used to, but he won't anymore. And it all passed away with the apostles. They want to get around some of those crazy people who get the oil out and start praying in tongues and saying, heal them in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room tonight. I'm not ashamed of this stuff. I'm not ashamed of this stuff. I'm desperate to see the children be filled with the Holy Ghost. Speak with tongues like mama and daddy. I'm afraid that we've exchanged in our efforts to persuade the culture we have, we have intermarried the convenience and excess of our, of our world and exchanged a holy sacred vocabulary for a litany of new words like newer, faster, easier, shinier. Gone are the conversations about Holy Ghost power. Gone are the conversations about visions and dreams and angels and supernatural power and the gifts of healing and gifts of miracles and gift of prophecy. Gone. When I read the book of Acts, I read this stuff, but gone from the church are supernatural stories. I'm saying to you that the Bible said the people broke covenant and married into other religions. And became bilingual in their faith. They believed a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And a little bit of this and a little bit of new age. And a little bit of this. And yes, I'm saved, but I can't get a word from the Lord. So I'll go to a card reader. I'll go to a palm reader. And it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it doesn't mix with the Holy Spirit. 
the 21st century church is being influenced by marrying the spirit of this age. And less and less of our kids, less and less of our kids are being filled with the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives them the utterance. It's a slow process for a language to die. It's a slow process that takes time. But the truth is what my secretary told me, if we don't talk it around the children, if they never hear it in our mouth... <laughs> If they don't ever hear daddy speak in tongues and mommy speak in tongues and grandparents speak in tongues, if they're never around it, never hear it, it's a matter of time before it dies. Doctrine that is not preached will eventually be completely dead to that congregation. So we speak less and less Of the language. And I ask all of you who have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And you know I'm preaching truth right now. And others of you are confused and you don't know about it. But there's a lot of us that do. Are you speaking less and less? Do your children hear you pray in the Holy Spirit? That's why Deuteronomy 6 said, teach your children diligently. Talk of them when you sit the word, when you sit, when you walk, when you rise up, when you lay down, when you're driving them to practice, when you're taking them to the soccer field, the ball field, on the way have conversations about the Lord. Pour into them, pour in. If you don't talk it, they won't talk it. We've got a language that we've got to teach to a new generation. I want you to put this up, Matt, if you can. Judges chapter 3, I believe it's verse 16. This verse is remarkable. And there arose another generation after them that knew not the Lord nor the works which He had done for Israel. I don't know if you understand what that verse just said. Judges 3. There arose another generation after them that knew not the Lord nor the works which He had done in Israel. It simply means that it's possible in one generation to lose the power and anointing of God. Every parent, every grandparent Keep telling your children about the wonderful works of God. Tell them your testimony. Tell them about His mercy, His glory. Tell them about His provision. Tell them about His healing. Tell them about how God has blessed you. And let them in times when the Spirit of God moves on you, let them hear you speak in the language of the ancients, the language of our forefathers, the language of Abraham. Let speak in the language of Peter, James, and John, the New Testament church. Speak in that same Holy Spirit language because if you don't ever speak it they won't are you hearing me tonight speak it proclaim it tell it yell it I want to get it in them I don't want just the ark of the covenant I want the mark of the covenant they quit talking about circumcision in the wilderness 
There was a law in Leviticus that said every child would be, male child would be circumcised at eight days, but they quit talking about it. And there came a generation that they had the Ark of the Covenant. They had the Ark of the Covenant, but they didn't have the mark of the covenant. The mark of separation. I'm afraid that this generation has the Ark of the Covenant. They know how to worship. It is a worshiping generation. What Hillsong and so many Bethel and all of these amazing ministries are doing is they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant. But we need one more thing with the Ark of the Covenant. We need the Mark of the Covenant. We need sanctification. We need kids who are set apart. We need kids who are not living like the world lives and mixing the worship. And when you get set apart and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, He gives you the power to say no to the flesh, the lies of the enemy, the deception and the sin and the immorality that's constantly pulling on you. Hallelujah. I'm saying to you that if we speak it less and less, then our children and our grandchildren will not have it. Don't lose your worship. Dad, just like you teach a child how to shoot a basketball or throw a football or kick a soccer ball, just like you teach your kids how to do things, you have to teach them spiritually. Come on, Grandpa. Come on, Grandma. Don't get, don't get dead now. Don't let the language die now in the family. When they come around, you just grab those little babies up close and hold them tight. And while you're feeding them the bottle, they'll just look up and suck on that bottle and look up at you. And you just pray in tongues. That's what I do. Just lay my hands on, pray in tongues, and they'll look up. They'll get quiet too. I tell you, if you get good and anointed, they'll just shut up and go. They can even sense there's something going on. You've tried everything else. Try the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm about done. But it would be all right with me if every person in this room under the age of 30 were baptized in the Holy Ghost tonight and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. It's something. I don't know how to explain it to you. Because I used to make fun of it. I used to laugh at it. I used to call it stupidity and ignorance and dumb. But something got a hold of me. I went there in doubt and I left there with a shout. Because something got a hold of me. And I know I'm out on the limb. And I know this is crazy preaching in sophisticated Orange County. But I'm going to tell you the Holy Ghost can fix all that stuff that you're paying $600 an hour for trying to sort out. The Holy Ghost can fix it in a minute right here in this office. 
He'll make you live right, talk right, love your wife, love your kids, give up drugs, walk away from it all. The Holy Ghost can do it all in a minute. In a minute. So if you want to stay bound, stay bound. You can be saved and bound and go to heaven. Or you can be saved and filled with the Spirit and free and go to heaven. I choose freedom. I choose worship. I choose prayer language. I choose the anointing. And so tonight, I remind you that Jesus said that he only spoke the things that he heard the Father speak. That's good. Just go ahead and play. And the, the, the three and a half years that the twelve Jews followed him, the Bible said that they developed an accent just like Jesus. So much so that when Peter denied Jesus, there was a woman by the fire that heard him speaking and she said, surely thou also are one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. She said, I know you're acting like now you're not one of them, but I can hear it in your speech. I hope the Holy Ghost will get so f- real in our young people that if they go somewhere they shouldn't go, all the people at the crack house will say, you don't belong here. I can hear something in your speech. My God. And I guess I, guess I just feel a little burden. Because I'm not raising teenagers right now, but I have raised five of them. And I found out that if I didn't have the Holy Spirit in my house, I wouldn't have made it through the ups and the downs and the Friday nights and the Saturday nights and the phone calls in the middle of the night. But if you've got the Holy Ghost working on those children, they can run, but they can't hide. And they'll always come back to what they know is real. And all of mine have to the glory of God. Woo! And how powerful would it be tonight if if parents would hug their children and lay hands on them and say, be filled with the Holy Ghost and hear from the voice of your child a heavenly flood. It can happen. It can happen tonight. Stand to your feet all over this room. And for the next few moments, now this is not... If you're visiting, this is not preaching anymore. I'm done preaching. This is worship. And sometimes we worship in our natural language. And sometimes we worship in our heavenly language. And I want you, if you feel comfortable, to lift your hands high all over this room. And open up your mouth. And if you have never received the Holy Spirit, just say, I'm open, Lord. I don't understand it all, but I'm open. I don't have to understand it all. You rarely explain it all to anybody, but I am totally open to more. I'm totally hungry for more. I'm totally open, God, for a fresh baptism of fire. 
That's all he needs from you. You can bring him your addiction. You can bring him your weakness. You can bring him your trouble. You can. He is the comforter. He knows how to pick you up, put you together, set you free. So all over this room, just lift your hands high. All over this room, lift your hands high. And if you've been filled with the Spirit, first of all, receive a refilling right for yourself. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.